So, um, me being a composer, yes, <laughs> I have definitely needed my fair share of stringed instruments. Yes, uh, for one of those pieces was the first time I've ever written for string, uh, str- like a string quartet was Quartet Chaos. So much fun. <laughs> and the it was chaotic. Yeah, it was for sure. It, so th- I I had been watching a lot of uh pieces i forget the rainer uh something rainer and Mm -hmm. um he is a conductor who loves to do orchestral has like like a lot of fun and jokes with with the orchestra uh so it's and he's like he's like he's a comedian conductor i think that's what that's genius right yeah that's amazing i I really wish i had remembered his name um but uh so the I just wanted to do something like that. And Dr. Gerlach yeah. was like, you should really like just write a classical piece. And I was like, but I don't, <laughs> I don't want to. I, wanna. <laughs> I want to do something fun. <laughs> right. And um, so I started out doing that. And I, I was like, how can I put in like silly jokes um, that people from like string instruments or orchestra would like understand? And then uh, so I started out with a very classical. It starts out very classical-esque. Yes. Um. And then, but then it's turned slowly turns into chaos. Uh, um. <laughs> someone gets smacked with a bell. I remember oh, yes. that. Someone takes away uh someone else's bell. There's. I'm playing little, like this at one point. Yeah. There's there's this crazy playing that uh, <laughs> I uh, I, t- I, t- I talked to Adeline and I was like, yeah. What is one way you can play violin that just is just wrong? <laughs> and she and she was like, maybe like this. But then, but then I was like, "What if we put your arm around your head?" And and then, and then we, we we she she did it amazingly, and I was like, "You know, what? it'd be fitting for a, a violist." The violist has to. That has to. Right? Yeah, right. So we, we we put together this uh, quartet chaos, and it's. I thought it was a lot of fun. It was so much fun. It was a funny, really funny story. Uh, we we did a like a, a pre-screening. To oh see- yeah. To see if anyone would like it. And the people who showed up just didn't laugh. They were stoic. They were just glaring at us afterwards. We were like, did they hate was it, it? Was it? Was it funny? Was, uh, am I just... We were so scared. Yeah. For, for, uh, and then, but thank God that everyone at the uh, actual like recital, they bust they out. They were dying. dying. Yeah. yeah, it was amazing. So what was the process like for you having to learn? Because uh, there's, there's a time, I think it's you. That plays off. Yes. Oh yeah. my gosh. Yes. So I had to play. Um, I had to play. I think I was supposed because to be an eighth, eighth behind. behind yeah. Because and it was supposed to be. Um, you were just that I was just not paying, not paying attention. attention. I was right. like do 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 and everything. Um, and so that was one really fun aspect about the song was playing things in a really non-traditional way. That was incredibly hard. And I think it was hard for me because I was trying to stay off and everything in me was like, okay, I'm trying to stay off correctly. So when you're trying to get it right, but in order to get it right, you have to get it wrong. Mm -hmm. For me, it had to be almost a little bit more like, okay, that's about what I'm doing. But as long as I'm off, like almost more important to mess up. Yes. And... Make sure I stay off and then just know when I need to be back in mm-hmm. kind of a thing. It was also hard because I was throwing off, I think, the violin one that I was yeah, playing you're off, throwing of. off Yeah. So there's sometimes that I was 
needing to mess up even more because she was trying to come back to my level. So it was definitely, it was definitely interesting. Yeah, that that, that had to be a master class and just fo- oh, yeah. staying in your lane. Yes. Because in orchestra, you are pretty much kind of taught to be like, okay, I've got to fit in with everybody else. Yes. At, and everyone else has to fit in with the conductor. But for right. that piece, you had to literally stay in your own lane and not worry about what the other person was doing. Yes. And yep. as, a, as, a, as people who play strings, your ears are tuned to absolutely everything and oh, trying to make yeah. sure it's correct. Yes. So it, I'm sure that was almost a near impossible task for was, for Adeline, who was also really yes. really a stickler for that kind of stuff. Yeah, it was definitely challenging. Well, yeah, because um, definitely working with Adeline and Lydia um, and Ellie. And Ellie, yeah. Yeah, they all worked. We've all been working on staying cohesive. So there were times where we had to not be cohesive. Mm-hmm. There are also other things that were super non traditional for strings that at first we even like told acting. Corey. Right, like acting, which, I mean, for me was the easiest, and I think it was fitting because, not the easiest, but I enjoyed it the Mm -hmm. most. I loved hamming it up and stuff, and as a viola, I kind of had the most freedom to do that. It was like, okay, during this part, since I'm just playing a a classic, like, viola, just playing the tonic over and over, it's like quarter notes, I can look bored here, and I can hide my face because I messed up now, and I love that part, but there are some things, even some techniques that were unique that at first I remember even some of yes. us were like, Corey, you can't do this. And you were like, yeah, you can. And we tried and we're like, oh, you really can do this. Well, and so it didn't make them like, oh, now they're traditional, but it was so beneficial just to go, oh my gosh. So how as a string player, can I stretch what I'm used to? The sl- yeah. The oh sliding, my gosh. Yeah. The double stop slides were quite a journey. <laughs> Double but when you stops, got it, but when you got it, though, it was awesome. It was awesome. Oh, it was so cool. Yeah. And Corey was a great, you were great to collaborate with, too, because if it was like, oh, this is really, really hard, you were able to go, okay, well, well let's see how we can tweak it to keep the same mm. feeling, but make it more doable. Well, man, yeah, the, the double stop slides were so hard and we had to work on them so long but man by the end they sounded, it sounded awesome. awesome that yeah. was my favorite thing to play because i was like oh it was just so fun it, that was one part because i i had seen other people do it so i knew it was possible yes oh it, yeah it was just the matter of getting your fingers used to that movement because right classically that's not you don't do that exactly that's, that's a no-no yeah. yes um it's very much a fiddle fiddle technique or like a like a country folky technique yes uh, for sure but um yeah there were so fun though oh it was so much fun and it, when you did it like when, oh. when, it, when it finally hit it was like yeah! oh it was it awesome so good. yes yeah well and that's one thing that with string players playing strings is incredibly challenging because intonation mm. i mean you change by the tiniest fraction of a centimeter yeah and you're working with microtones, and you have to... right of your finger. Right, yeah. You can literally roll your finger over the tiniest bit, and it's a different microtone, but it sounds off. Mm-hmm. And so training, oftentimes, like, string players can be super rigid. Yes. So they can play what they play really well, but they don't stray from that. Right. So getting to play Mozart-esque stuff at the beginning of Quartet Chaos, <laughs> good gracious, oh my word... <laughs> But then moving to like fiddling and bump, da da da, and everything like and more bluesy style. Yeah, like blues and everything. Oh my word, it was really fun and it's valuable experience. That's something that string players, I think, would benefit by doing more because 
music is heading more in that direction, yes. in that improvisational and like country, blues, swing, jazzy, but we don't, we aren't being trained. We're being so strongly classically right. trained and not exposed to other stuff that improv is so important to learn how to do. Yeah, now that I think about it, the, the whole piece is kind of like a, a progression of time, actually. It really is. I wasn't thinking yeah. about that either. But yeah, you have different eras in there. Because it starts off like classical, uh, and then it gets like into romantic a little bit, and yes. then it hits into the, the modern aspect. Yeah. And then by the end of it, it's completely atonal. Everyone's just playing everything. Every, everyone's, <laughs> yeah, so there's like four ma main themes throughout the entire thing. Yeah. I, I, I wanted to give everybody a spotlight. Which um, is so fun. So yeah. awesome. So... Uh, the main theme is It's very, very classical. Oh, so like, super. To a T. Yes. Um, and um, I gave I can't remember the theme for for the violin too, but uh, for yours it was the blah blah ba da ba. Yeah. And um, for for Lydia it was it was the the baseline of uh. Yeah. Of of where she just did her own thing. Yes. Kind of dun, 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 dun. Yeah, and it felt kind of jazz. It yeah, almost right. felt upright bass and jazz, yeah. kind of. That was that was yeah. the goal. Oh, it was awesome. And at the end, they all played their main themes and the over each other, and it was, it was chaotic. It was, it was so fun, though. Right, and Man. It, it, it ends off in. A, in a, I, I gotta find a recording of that. Yeah, or I, I want to re-record like in like an actual like legit space. Yes. Oh my gosh. I feel like that'd be so much Sign fun. Sign me up. <laughs> yeah. Right. That's awesome. Yes, it was such a fun piece to play. It was really. It was a different experience. Like it was such a good experience to play it, and the acting with it was so fun. <laughs> yeah, it, it was a lot of fun to because uh, I already knew what I already knew um, the basics of what I kind of wanted. Uh, the the violin one is always is typically the the kind of stickler for uh, normalcy yes. and perfection. <laughs> yes. And and in uh, not to say that Adeline's like that, but she embodies that perfectly. She played it really well. Yeah. Yes. She, and just knowing her, she 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 would she had no problem doing yes. that. Uh, the second second violinist is. Ellie Pettis. Ellie, yes. Uh, now she's Ellie Schultz. Ellie, that's oh, that's right. Oh my married. gosh, right? I know. I always forget. I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> um, but uh, she, she, she was like more kind of relaxed and like whatever. Yeah. And the violist is typically the butt of many string jokes. Oh, absolutely, they're amazing. Of just the, the goofy person who just always messes up. Or... So fun to play that part. I loved right. it. <laughs> and um, and then the cello. Which was it was it was I, I didn't know if Lydia could pull this off because she's very much a, a a violinist in that yes. she's very uptight about herself. She's not uptight about herself, but you know what I mean. She's she's incredibly talented. Incredibly and talented. She she has a sense of humor, but it's so it's so like it's hidden. Buried, it's buried. It's yeah, a treasure. When you find it, oh my yeah. word, she's amazing. She's hilarious. But yeah, and she is more introverted too. So it was mm -hmm. that like. Is this going to be enjoyable or is it going to be she's like, oh, what are we doing with this? Right. She nailed it. <laughs> she, she nailed it, yeah, because the she idea was for awesome. her was, was kind of like the bum, quote yeah, unquote. Yeah, just like, I'm here. I'll do my thing. Right, I'm just, I'm a, I'm just a typical bass player. Yep. I'm just chilling out. <laughs> she did awesome. She was so good. <laughs> she did awesome. Yeah, it was it was really a learning experience to try to coordinate such chaos. I'll bet, yeah. Well, because you had the chaos of the piece, and then you had the chaos of us learning the piece. And, like, trying different things. And, yeah. And uh, getting, getting things exactly right. Yes. Because it, it's... 
it's a hard thing to control that chaos because right at, like um i remember uh that we had to coordinate looks between each other yes um for like for example when when you were playing off lydia had to be like yeah, and, and that, go, that hey. and that would let you know. Okay, now it's time to play back on. Right. And, yeah. Uh, that would be your cue to do that. Or uh, yes. when Ellie took took. Whoopsie! That oh. smacked the smacked the uh, microphone. <laughs> smacked the mic. But when Ellie took away the violin. Yeah. Uh, at the violin one. Oh, the bow. Oh, yeah. That would be your cue to do something, or be someone else's cue to, like, to do hold, something else. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Lots of cues and trying to. Ooh, now I hit the <laughs> mic. This is a trend. And trying to time that. So you weren't like exactly oh within the my music, gosh. yeah. Yes, yeah. Um, it was awesome, and I'm really happy so it paid fun. off. It paid off so well. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that it. One of the cool things with collaborating is everyone has their idea of how Bach should be played. Oh, absolutely. But and usually they're different ideas. <laughs> <laughs> but with Corey, it was like we can ask him and we can right. play something and say, "Hey, is this honoring how you wrote it?" And it's. A unique experience, especially for strings, because we don't usually play music of people who are alive still. <laughs> so it was awesome to be like, nice, we get to ask Corey, like, what's the heart of this piece and how are you envisioning all these things? And then trying to do that justice. It's definitely pressure because it's like, man, I want to honor this. Right. And I want to bring like the full intention. But and it's also so exciting. It's so fun. And it was, it was. I'm sure it was frustrating for some people because I didn't know a lot about the strings in general. So this right, this was very yeah. much an experimental piece for me, trying to figure out okay, what is possible with the strings? Right. H how do you coordinate down bows, up bows, and how do they sound different? And how do yeah. I incorporate that into a piece uh, right. that's you know supposed to be stupid? <laughs> right. <laughs> Which man, it's your first string piece though, too. I was shocked. I was like, oh, my gosh. And, I mean, there was I'm an amb ambitious some... person. Right. Well, with my compositions. So. And, you, and you do, you're an ambitious person, but one who can follow it up. Mm -hmm. You know, like one who can, who can also count the costs and go like, okay, make sure you actually have what you need to be prepared. So, right. yeah, it was awesome. Yeah, and I remember learning so much about double stops because about the, en the ending right. piece, the ending yeah. part of it was oh, yeah. double stops for everybody. <laughs> That one and, was rough. Yeah, that we one was there. rough to figure it figure out. And, yeah. Uh, the chord progression wasn't the most forward either, <laughs> which is on purpose. But right. Um, it was really interesting to figure out. Okay, if Adeline can't play this note, maybe I can put it over here, and she can play that note that the viola is playing. Right. It was a lot of learning about how to orchestrate four strings. Yes. So it was it was a great learning experience, and I'm glad everyone. Uh, Got to got to take part in that. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah, so yeah. um, going into playing with other people. Yeah. Uh, how how do you find opportunities to go in the pit or to play yeah. outside of LBC? Yeah. So I mean, first off, I've been so crazy blessed by the opportunities at LBC. So both of the pit orchestras that I've had the opportunity to play with um, in LBC Productions and Nye, amazing musician, French horn player, so cool. And she does a lot of the orchestra organization. She reached out to each of the students. So Pitt Orchestra didn't fall under our orchestra credit, mm -hmm. but she reached out to the musicians and said, if you want to play, it would be great for you guys. And I mean, it helps them because we're one less person they need to hire like we're getting the experience right. we're volunteers 
Um, and so it's just really beneficial, a symbiotic relationship. Mm. Um, but yeah, so I've really enjoyed um, pit orchestras. I mean, Ruth, I got to be in the first Mom. live pit orchestra oh, yeah, of a sight and sound show yeah. that Dr. Gerlach transcribed from ear. So, oh my gosh, getting to work with one of my professors that closely and realize like this is sight and sound. People come to Lancaster because of sight and sound. It's big. And getting to be kind of a part of, it was the first History, time a sight yeah. and sound. Yeah. It was the first time a sight and sound show had been performed by anyone outside of sight and sound. Mm -hmm. And we were the first live orchestra because usually they would play recordings. Amazing experience. Then the next one I did was singing in the rain. Awesome experience as well. Um, because that was the first time I read like swing and jazz notated. Mm. So it was hard, but it was such a cool experience. Oh my gosh. To play. It was playing a, a completely different genre of music and reading that notation and everything. So definitely challenging, but really, really fun. Um, other ways outside of the college that I've gotten involved, um, I'm trying to think through, I mean, I got involved at church even before I was a music major. So that's been awesome. And I actually have moved over by some really weird phenomenon. I don't know what happened, but we actually have three violists besides me at the Calvary Church Orchestra where I play. And right mm. now we only have one, one, two consistent cello players. So oh, no. I actually play cello in Calvary Orchestra now. <laughs> Have I taken cello lessons? No. no. Someone taught me how to hold it right and like how to do fingering right. So they taught me form. And then I just, I'm practicing everything because I've, I've been given the tools to practice a string instrument. Yeah. And now that I've been taught the form and luckily the cello music at church is a little bit easier, more my level of what mm. I can handle. But yeah, so I've gotten to get involved through church and just through friends, um, one of my friends, her sister was getting married and wanted string players so badly. And I had the opportunity to go and be a string player for her wedding. It was so fun and awesome. I got to meet more musicians that way. It's all about connections, honestly. Oh, absolutely, 100%. All about connections. Oh, my gosh. And that's part of the reason why I'm running the podcast is so that people can right. get can learn other people within the craft and right. figure out who they can call if they if they ever need somebody like you um granted it's rare that you need a violist but if you need right. a violist you got to you got to know a violist exactly yeah and even just a string player that knows other string other players is helpful invaluable, yeah yeah well oh my gosh even just in our time before sitting down and meeting here you've given me how many names like three, four names of people that I want to get connected with now. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's just, it's huge. It makes all the difference in the world. Yeah. Um. So you also do guitar for a yes. nursing home. Yeah, that was an amazing opportunity. Um. Basically, this girl, um, Jeannie Lassiter, I love her. She's wonderful. She is a manager. I shouldn't say girl. She's an alumnus from LBC. I think 2015-ish was when she graduated. Mm -hmm. She's a manager of the Lancaster County Senior Center. Long, no, excuse me, the Lancaster County Neighborhood Senior Center. Long name, so I always get it wrong. But she reached out to our department because she was an LBC alum, and she said, 
I'm working at the senior center. They love music. They desperately want a music program, and we have nothing. Would students be willing to come? And I said, I would love to do that. That's my heart for music is community music, music therapy, just Mm -hmm. kind of music education and stuff, using it to connect with other people. And so I was so excited. I used it as one of my internships, but I'm going to keep going. I mean... I'm theoretically done with my internship, but I'm going every week now because that's my family. I love them there. They're awesome. So I got there and man, I'll tell you what, there have been a lot of challenges. Um, Language barriers. Most of them are Spanish speakers and speak barely any English, English, no English at all. Some of them. So some of them I'll teach one person who does speak some English and they'll teach some of their friends using Spanish. Um, teaching multiple people multiple instruments at a time so i have um usually i'm teaching two guitar and one piano at the same time (laughs) within the same class Uh, yeah so it's a lot it's crazy having no resources needing to just find stuff needing to find stuff that they understand like cultural how can i get songs that they want to play that they want mm -hmm. to learn so i've been learning spanish songs which is so much fun but the Hispanic songs are awesome. They're so beautiful. Oh, my gosh. There's this one guy there who knows how to do finger-picking guitar. Flamenco? Like, oh, it's, yeah. Anytime he comes in, I'll go like, oh, you have to play. He's like, no, no, no. But then he'll pick it up, and he just plays it. I'm in awe. I'm like, you should be teaching us. Oh, my gosh. He's amazing. So it's definitely challenging, but I would not trade it for anything in the world. I mean, I've definitely had to redefine how I view success <laughs> yes. because sometimes, oh my, oh my gosh. Yeah. Sometimes in that lesson, success doesn't look like them getting Doing the music. Anything, right. <laughs> sometimes it looks like the former Marine just telling me all about his days in the Marines right. and feeling like he can connect. And I even, I was trying to teach him. I'm like, ah, what, what could he learn? What would he like? Cause he's more, he likes jazz and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, He's African-American and deeply like loves that culture. I was like, oh my gosh, I, I mean, I'm a military brat. So I know all of the different, um, all the different branch, like hymns. March. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And so I taught him the Marine Corps hymn on the piano. I was like in C, in C major. And he was, he was playing one finger at a time. He wasn't really sure. But for me, that can be a success. Right. And yeah, I don't know. It looks like teaching a tiny bit of time. Most of them, it's a, an impoverished area in the neighborhood too. And so most of them have never taken a lesson in their life. Mm-hmm. So trying to teach the basic music concepts to them, but also make it fun and engaging. It's been very hard, especially having not taken guitar lessons myself and not having taken piano lessons since I was 10, mm-hmm. unless you count piano lab. Piano lab counts. Piano lab, that's so I've taken some piano lab, but yeah, Again, at a collegiate level, though, the, how do I teach the basics again? Right. So hard, but so good. I love them. They're hilarious. I've sung karaoke with them. <laughs> Tried saying you are my sunshine in Spanish. They're so kind. They're so supportive. And they're just so sweet. Getting to hear their stories is amazing. So that's really my heart for music. But, mm. yeah. So uh, you also, besides speaking English, you also speak hand. Yes, speak hand. <laughs> yep, yeah. So in that same semester where I was like, well, 
I'm done with high school. What do I do now? I took an American Sign Language one class. That's the extent to my education mm. as as far as American Sign Language goes. But I got plugged into Calvary Church here. I got plugged into their deaf ministry. So I sit with the deaf congregation there. I watch the interpretation. I watch deaf YouTubers anytime I can. For me, it's about the culture and learning because I have no time to take more ASL classes right now. For me, it's about learning from the community and just watching. And I really love it because a lot of them, especially for deaf YouTubers, you're learning ASL and deaf culture. And so you're hearing their stories and it's not just look at this pretty language and this cool hand stuff I can do, but it's I'm hearing this person's life. Mm -hmm. And I'm learning more about that. And it's just such a unique, it's such a unique culture. And it's so cool. What is deaf culture like? It's, it's really diverse, even just in of itself, because. I, I figure. Yeah, deaf culture is the only culture that is not primarily based upon a shared location, if mm -hmm. that makes sense. Well, it does make sense because, you know, it, there's not like deaf country. Right. You know yeah. Everywhere else. Everywhere. Yeah. Right. Everywhere else. I mean, even coming here from California, totally different cultures just based off where we where we grew up and where we live. Mm -hmm. But for them. Yeah, you're not born deaf because you're born in one spot. And so some of them are deaf, born to hearing parents. Some of them got cochlear implants that help them hear somewhat. And so some of them might basically be part of the hearing world, but technically they're deaf too. Mm -hmm. um, you have a huge, depending on what their education was, there's this oralism versus like teaching ASL um, of, is it a lot of people disagree on, is it more in person, important to teach them to talk and lip read first or teach them ASL first? Mm. And for a lot of hearing parents with deaf kids, They'll choose here, like speech, lip reading, and all of that because otherwise they have to learn the other language, yeah. which a lot you'll hear. And oralism is usually put pretty much seen synonymously with like racism and right, stuff. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's like you're they not deny them. The right? Effort. Yes. So language act language acquisition happens from a very early age and at a certain point you lose that ability yep. and most of those kids are already beyond that point by the time they're finally taught asl if they're taught it at all and then they have the rest of their education denied them until they can lip read right and speak and so yeah oralism is a huge um one of the big like debates is which one is better and everything. Um, but yeah, so it's, it's a really fascinating culture. It's a really, it's a really honest culture. So there aren't fancy ways of like saying things. No, I, I don't doubt that. Cause if yep. you're using your hands, there's no way to like beat around the bush with using your hands. I don't right, think so. Right. There's a lot less imagery. It's a very concept for concept language. So mm -hmm. you're not going to have, every English word translated into an ASL word. Right. Um, and the syntax is different and everything. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's a very honest culture and it's a very open culture, which I really love because like with them, you make sure you see everyone and say bye because otherwise they're like, where did they go? 
And it's hilarious. Y'all announce, and this is even an aspect of deaf culture that sometimes slips into my own hearing, like the hearing mm -hmm. world. And it, it's awkward, but you know, it's okay. That one thing that they'll frequently do is they'll make an announcement. They'll say, hey, everyone, like I'm going to the toilet because everyone needs to know where everyone is. They're all looking out for each other. And so hey guys, all of those things. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If they've noticed that someone like looks like sick or it seems like they've gained weight or lost weight, they'll say like, hey, you're small. Why is that? Or like, hey, mm -hmm. like you look awful. Like, why is that? Like, they're just, they care about each other. And it's just blunt and it's honest. And so it's kind of funny though. It's hilarious, but oh my gosh, I love it. It's so, sometimes it's refreshing as someone who, like, so spoken languages did not come easily to me. I didn't speak until I was three. I had to go to speech therapy. I have sensory mm. processing disorder. And so I actually couldn't, I had too many speech impediments because I couldn't understand how my, how I was supposed to be making the correct sounds until someone like put gloves on and moved my mouth around. Um, yeah. So I had wow. to feel it. And then it only took them showing me once and then I had it, but it's, de it can definitely be tricky and stuff. And sometimes I, oh, trust me. I'm glad I was like five when it happened. I don't remember it, <laughs> Right. but yeah. And poor them. I can't imagine. Um, but yeah, that I had to actually feel it. And so spoken languages do not come easily to me for as much as I ramble and rant. <laughs> but they they are just uncomfy and stuff. And all of a, how can I say this, but be polite? And how can I make sure I'm not talking like too loud because I can raise my voice when I get excited? And oh no, I stuttered or all of this. It's so refreshing to go into a place where everyone just embraces you I fumble all over the place and they all just love me. They are my family. They're my church family and they adore me and I'll be signing totally wrong things, but they're like, good job. You're getting there. I'm like better in sign language. <laughs> right. Yep. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> the constant like, oh wait, that wasn't it. I meant this, but yeah. So they're just so inviting and I get to use my hands, which you see me. I well, already use my hands, hands all, all the time. time. Yeah. yeah. So getting to use, my hands getting to be blunt, like I, I just love it. They're they're really beautiful, incredibly strong, incredibly forgiving culture that I just admire so much. They're just amazing. Oh my gosh, they're all so. Not to mention each individual person is just so sweet and kind. And yeah, getting the conversations I've had with them and the friendships I've built there amazing yeah so. it's crazy to me i i um once upon a time i went to the social security's office and oh, yeah. uh because sometimes i have to do that right um <laughs> there was a, a deaf person and the she was they were also blind as well oh my gosh so, yeah so i i was i was incredibly like entranced i was like how is this person going to communicate because right? like, yeah. like, well, you can't see mm -hmm. so they can't see any sign language right they can't hear um because they're deaf right and yeah. they probably can't speak either because of those things combined yes yeah so i i was i was and she had someone with her so i was i was just <laughs> i don't know if this was this was rude or anything, but i was just genuinely curious like yeah how, how are they going to communicate and so um whenever uh the person has something to say they they would reach out and then 
um, once the person realized that they were reaching out, they would like grab their hands, and then uh, the the person the 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 deaf and blind person would then yeah. reach back and like do their sign language because they, so they yeah. knew sign language. Yeah, I was, was like, it finger spelling probably? I don't. know. I think it was probably finger spelling because there's the alphabet, and at least with like Helen Keller and some prior to that, a lot of blind deaf people will once they know the alphabet they just finger spell everything so it's mm. like they're they're typing almost typing. which blows my brain well well for for, for in this case, i don't think it was that because okay. it looked like legit sign language because so, huh. so what the what the blind and that person would do would then hold on to the per- other person's hands and they would oh. do sign language and so that's they would like, have to memorize the movement or something yeah oh that's awesome yeah and i was like oh my gosh that's so cool that woman is probably way smarter oh than gosh. I am. I'm like, I'm <laughs> is it insane? Yeah, just the things that they come to. Well, and one thing that's been especially interesting, which, sorry, I, I get no, all over good. the place, all the rabbit trails. One quick caveat. Um, in general, like if deaf people are having a conversation, in general, it would probably be considered like rude to stare. They also know that people are like interested in mm-hmm. everything. And so... Yeah, but it, there is like a oh, giving them their privacy when they're having a conversation. But like, they're super understanding. Yeah, I was just of curious. That I was, stuff not like that, I can understand yeah. anything that that was said at right. all. But I was yeah. just genuinely she, curious. She, I'm sure the interpreter didn't mind, and I mean, the blind and deaf and was, individual at some point too. So. No, but right, right. <laughs> <laughs> she she's not bothered by right. it. So yeah, and and it really depends on the person too. That yeah. A lot of that comes with like relationships and stuff, but yeah, mm. they're they're such a forgiving. Like we're stupid and they know it when it comes to their culture, and so they're super kind with us. They're like, "Oh, you're okay, no worries. You don't you don't know." And so mm. they'll explain stuff, um, and they just encourage other people. Like, don't worry about it. if you make mistakes. Like, explain things when people do have questions. We'll explain to you that kind of a thing. But one one other interesting thing, just because again, like so. Two of my main loves are American Sign Language and Deaf Culture and music, mm-hmm. which are just on different spectrums and stuff. But one thing that I love is deaf people will say, like, no, we love music. We can totally interact with music. And one of the senses that we have that we've just numbed down because we don't need it is feeling those vibrations. vibrations yeah. There's also a level of hearing impairment. I mean, one little girl at one point, I was helping out with kids. She ran up to me and she's like, when you take off your glasses, is it everything black? She thought I, she thought that glasses and eye impairment <laughs> meant I was blind. And I was like, no, that's, so <laughs> that's not how it works. A lot of us have the same misconception about right. hearing. We all assume that if you're deaf, it sounds like complete silence oh, all the time. Yeah, right. Yeah. So, but like, so one of my friends, um, Miss Jody Lee, she's like, She's like my aunt here. I love her. She's amazing. She's hard of hearing, um, significant hearing loss and everything. But she says, I love cellos. She can hear that lower mm-hmm. range easier. And so she can hear some of like the cellos and everything. So between rhythms and vibrations and then those wavelengths that you can hear. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. People... Beethoven, when he lost his hearing, he right. still wrote music and still played. Which is so crazy. It's yeah. amazing. Yeah, which also, one musician that you've got to hear about. She's incredible. She's one of my role models. Um, Evelyn Glennie. She is, oh man, let, I'm trying to remember if she's Australian. Um, 
She is an incredible professional percussionist and she's deaf. But she said, I want to learn percussion. And her teacher is like, how are you going to do that? She's like, the way other people learn? <laughs> By experimenting yeah. with it. She takes off her shoes when she performs. She can feel everything. She's incredible. Evelyn Glenny, um, NN. I'll, I'll, I'll find it. NNIE, yeah. Um, she, oh my gosh, she's just incredible. And she doesn't even, her thing, it, her big thing isn't, Oh, I'm a deaf musician. She's like, no, I'm a musician. She talks mm -hmm. about all kinds of things. In fact, she does um, a TED Talk. She doesn't even say the words I'm deaf in her entire talk. So she, is she actually speaking? Yeah. Oh, oh she's wow. speaking okay. the whole time. And <laughs> it's you kind of obvious. So she's <laughs> like the entire time. Right. No, <laughs> she's speaking. You can't tell she's deaf by the oh, TED, wow. TED Talk. Yeah, she's amazing. And... In fact, I'm trying to remember, there might have been a couple instances where it was like, oh, you can see that she, like, didn't notice some sort of, like, s sound that happened or something like that. But other than that, you really can't tell. Um, and that's super. I was just watching for it. But, yeah, she's just talking about music and then kind of mentions how, like, hearing was a challenge <laughs> in learning, but, like, mm -hmm. only briefly mentions it. It's just like, what on earth? So she's a huge role model of mine, but I've always wanted to experiment more with what would deaf music be like and mixing those vibrations and like beats and rhythms and like what would what would deaf music look like of those mixed with the visual of sign language? I've just I've always mm -hmm. wondered and felt like that's a field that could totally be like could totally just explode and be such an incredible art form. So stay tuned. <laughs> That'd be if interesting. I, if I figure out deaf music, I'll let you all know. <laughs> well, because, I mean, you'd have to have, like, insanely good speakers to, like, actually feel those vibrations. Right. And uh, Well, and that's why, yeah, I'm like, so how could I, how could I change, like, how could I make it so that Put in the, the music and try to feel the vibration right well yeah that's my plan is like if i ever do get to get a chance to experiment i'm gonna block up my hearing as much as i can and rely as much as possible on the vibrations and stuff and how can i write the music so that they can feel it no matter what mm -hmm. like their sound system is and everything yeah i don't know so it's a whole field to be discovered but writing original music for like catering to a deaf audience and with that in mind is something I'm really excited about looking more into. Yeah, that'd be interesting. It's really only an idea and has been for a little bit. So if anything changes, I'll let you know. <laughs> cool, man. So we're kind of running out of time on, I know. on, on the podcast. I got Too much some, to talk about. I Sorry got, about that. No, you're good. I got a few questions. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so being a Christian, yes. what is worship to you? Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, dang, that's good. For me, worship is coming to God, whether you're empty-handed or whether you're bringing him music, a lesson, or like intellectual study, like whatever you're bringing to him, if art of some other form, painting or something, is it's, it's bringing something to God. And I think... We tend to get so absorbed in, oh, like, 
music and stuff is worship. And even the people say, well, it's not just music that's worship. We still say, like, everything can be worship, but we forget that what makes it worship is God. Is bringing it to God. God. And that approaching him and nearness to him. That's the part that makes it worship. So just like everything can be worship, everything can be not Not worship. worship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so I think that for me, if that's hopefully kind of concise. No, that, yeah. I mean that's that's what it, that's what kind of how I describe it. It's it's acting within the mindset of of acting like Christ. Yes. And doing all things in that mindset. Yeah. That's that's what worship is. If you're not doing that, it's not worship. Right. I can be playing Bach in the practice suite, and I might be worshiping more in that moment than if I'm leading a worship service and everyone's crying and the lights are amazing. Right. You know, like yeah. Yeah, it's all about the mindset. Yep. So um, what is one thing that you know now that you would wish you had known when you first started? <laughs> like, where do I start? Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Um, I think I wish I had known that God had me where he had me for a reason. Mm. I think my first year, again, I was not planning on doing music. I was like, that's impractical. I don't just want to be trying to get into the best orchestras. I want to do a ministry. This doesn't give me money. Right. <laughs> I know. I'm like, how am I going to live? I need to be responsible. And God was like, no, music is what I have for you. And so one thing he put on my heart was anything not done in faith is sin. And so any choice I would make about my college career, I was only making the wrong choice if I wasn't making it in faith. And the more I was sitting there, he was putting music on my heart to the point where it was like, music is the choice I can make in faith. I'm not sure I can make the other ones in faith, at least in God. They're kind of faith in me of mm-hmm. like, well, I love people, so I might be a good counselor and stuff like that. And so he was like, no, music is that choice. And man, the whole first year, I was just like, what am I doing here? What am I doing here? I sh- I'm not a musician. I mm-hmm. shouldn't be here. Like, I felt like I was in the wrong place. And the one thing that kept me going was, no, but I made this in faith. And even if I don't make it all the way through, which I'm only one more semester, so I think we're getting there. But even if I don't make it all the way through, God had me here for a reason. And that time wasn't wasted. Like, that time was obedience to him, Mm -hmm. even if I feel like an idiot. And I think I just wish I had more faith in that because, man, I couldn't see all the things that I'm seeing now as I'm getting ready to leave college behind all the opportunities all the people i've met all the instruments i've picked (laughs) up i I didn't see any of that so i think i i wish i had known yeah no sarah you can trust god it's Mm -hmm. okay (laughs) but cool so last question yeah what are some of the biggest mistakes that you think other music other artists here or elsewhere make and how do you think we can combat that dang (laughs) Biggest mistakes they make, comparing to each other and feeling like threats to one another. Mm. Because, and I mean, so quick story, when I came in, I came in with Lydia Talbot, phenomenal violinist, phenomenal. She could have gotten into such better, like, she could have been a Juilliard student, she could have been been, a Curtis student, she's phenomenal. And so since I was wrestling with this, with this like, oh, I shouldn't be here. I'm not good enough. And I saw her. I was like, oh, my gosh. Luckily, I had met her even before. So she's in Calvary Orchestra, too. 
And there were some instances where I saw other people butting heads because one person was better than the other or Mm -hmm. whatever. And they were like all frustrated. I was like, I don't want to be like that. And oh my gosh, may I just say, Lydia Talbot is the sweetest, most humble, just so kind. She, if I had gone, well, she's good and I'm not happy with where I am. So I'm going to be mad and choose to see her as a threat. Right. I would have missed out on one of the most incredible friendships I've ever experienced. She is so kind. We are jokes. Like now when we play, we play duets together all the time. And whenever one of us messes up, usually me, let's be honest. Cause I'm like, Oh, what is that? Whenever we mess up, it's a joke. We're all laughing. We have so much fun. Like she, she's phenomenal. And just to see how hard she works and how good she is. Like, She's a gift to me. She's taught me so much and she's just such, a, such an incredible friend. And like, we've had amazing conversations and everything. And so I think one big thing is people not seeing other artists as uniquely gifted individuals who God has a specific place for, just like he has a specific place for us. Mm-hmm. And that like, God's not making us fight for things. He's, even if we're going for the same part and someone else gets a part and I don't, it's not because God made us fight for it. It's because God said, hey, that was a great opportunity for you to try, but this person needs this experience and I'm bringing you to this other experience. And so I think that's one huge one that you just miss out and you you'll, you will hurt more. You will hurt other people and people are amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's it's like I came in I came in with Matt Cross as yes. and I was a percussion major and he's yes. just the percussion professional. He's amazing. <laughs> yes, yeah. Um so it was it was really hard to uh, I felt I wasn't mad at him because No, you love the person right, but yeah, you're like, but just like why can't I be like that? Right. And then you realize because I'm someone else. I'm not someone else. Yep. And I get to do other things and yeah, like we can balance each other. And again, friends shouldn't look exactly the same and yeah, mm-hmm. I wouldn't trade my friendship with Lydia for anything in the world. She's amazing. Yeah, and she's going to play in um in our orchestra concert. I think she's going to get to play a solo or a duet. I think they might be doing the like Symphonia Concertante by Mozart. So go see it because you finally get to see her do a solo. I've been waiting for four years to see that? her get her solo. It's going to be this fall show okay. or the fall concert. So... Oh my gosh, come support her. She's insane. <laughs> She's awesome. She's so good. Oh, well, yeah. said it's been a lot of fun. Yes, this has been so good. Thank you so much for having me. Sorry that there's just too much to talk about. And no, we, it's, it's totally... Took I took so much time. It was we, awesome. We hit a lot of the points we wanted to talk yes, about. Yes, yeah. So, and even some points that I'm glad we hit. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so if you want to follow Sarah, you can find her on her website, uh, all for one. That is... A L L, the number four, one O E strings S T R I N G dot com. You can find her there. Uh, you can find her. Uh, that that's that's her email too. If you if she's yes. open to playing with other people. Oh, always. Always. Always want to meet more musicians and collab with them. Um. So I'll actually be taking her out a few times to go yeah. out and uh, make some music. But um, if you want to, if you have liked this episode, please be sure to like and subscribe. Follow. You can follow us on all streaming platforms on Spotify, on on uh, Apple, 
on Google if you use that for your podcast. Yeah. <laughs> um, the story, Corey Rosen, that's what you got to search. Nice. C-O-R-Y-R-O-S-E-N. It's the big neon sign with the red brick background. And with all that said, I hope you guys have a great one, what, blah, 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 great rest <laughs> yeah. of your day. And I'll see you guys later. Bye-bye.